Hello, and welcome to Episode 3 of The Art of Adaptation, a podcast sponsored by Michigan State University's College of Arts and Letters. I'm Nate Davis. This week on the podcast, we talk to Megan Weeks, a high school drama and English teacher in Highland, Michigan. She talks to us about the effects of the pandemic on public school arts programs, the changes being made to education, and the importance of theater in our schools. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are interviewing Megan Weeks, uh, who is a theater educator in the Huron Valley School District. I'm Nate Davis. And I'm, I'm Jason Dernay. Jason Dernay. Um, so, Megan Weeks, uh, in your own words, what do you do? I am a teacher at Milford High School. Uh, I teach English, but I also teach the drama classes, which include an intro class, an advanced production class, and a technical theater class, a stagecraft class. And I also am the auditorium manager for my high school. We have two high schools in our district, so I have a counterpart at the other high school, Karen Miller. And um, so, but I manage the two auditoriums that are housed at Milford High School as well. Very cool. And I direct the shows. Sorry, I probably should, you know, I yeah. direct high school theater. And inside of all of that, I direct the after school program. Sorry, I forgot about that piece uh, where we do um, a fall musical, a winter play, and a spring student production. That's very. That's a lot to, uh, that's a lot to do. It's very impressive that you're able to keep a handle on all of that. And I imagine it's gotten more difficult since the um, pandemic sort of cut off halfway through the end of the last school year. Um, how did that shutdown affect um, what you were doing with the students in terms of after school programs? I don't know if you had finished the spring student production by the time that all went into effect? How, how did that go? Um, I was fortunate in that our winter play takes place usually at the end of February, and it did as well this year. So we actually got it in kind of right before everything got crazy. We were able to do the winter production, and then we were switching gears to help my vocal director, Marianne Lambrecht, with her choral program. They do a very large uh, show choir concert um, <clears throat> at the end of March. And that's what got hit um, in that world, which is a lot of the same kids, you know, the kids that do the theater program are also in the vocal music program at our school. And, and then my play production class, my advanced production class, their show should have been uh, the first weekend in May. And um, we just kind of lost that. We had barely gotten the wheels off the ground on it and just started casting and doing read-throughs. And when we were in school on, I think it was March 12th, um, and we didn't know at that point. You know, at that point it was kind of like, oh, we'll be back after spring break. Or, you know, like we weren't sure what was gonna happen. And, and so we talked and we said, if we come back, we think we probably, you know, we still work on their lines. And it was kind of a, we don't know scenario, but then um, probably about, even before spring break, um, I could kind of see the writing on the wall that we, we probably weren't coming back. Um, and so we had talked about that on the 12th. And I said, you know what, if this, if this goes longer, this goes deeper into May, um, we're, we're just going to cancel it. Um, you know, I think there's that, 
there's that choice between trying to shift something to some kind of online virtual production to which the show we were doing um, would not have done that very nicely. Um, and grieving the loss and saying, we've lost that and we're going to move on. Um, and so we kind of chose as a group to, to grieve that loss and, and move on and hope for hope the next time will be great. So it was, it was tough. And the pops, them losing their choir concert was tough. They lost basically the whole end of their season um, in the choral world, which was heavy for us. And so that was really hard because the kids work all year on that. And so it was really tough for them to lose that. You talked a little bit about, you know, moving on, working towards the next thing. But as much as we'd like to say we figured it out by now, everything's still up in the air day by day basis. What are you doing to adapt to that going forward? Because obviously, if you had a show in production, you're able to stop that, you know, it just wouldn't work. But what are you doing now? What are you trying to set up in the future? Um, that's funny. I, I just met with my student board. Um, and there's so many unknowns, you know, we met on Tuesday, which is right when Governor Whitmer talked about her back to school plan, which of course they like kids to be back in school face to face, but that doesn't mean we can have an extracurricular activity. Um, so it's, it's looking at our scenarios, you know, the, the, the first scenario is everything's back to normal, which we all know is not going to happen. So we've given up on that scenario where everything is just what we always do. Um, the two worst case scenarios are we get canceled right out of the gate. You know, they tell us in August, you can't, you can't do it. Um, or if we're in a wrong phase in Michigan, if our case load goes up and we're not even back at school, you know, I mean, again, that's a loss. Um, but it's not a lot of extra work. You know, it's like, well, I guess we're just going to cancel it. I, okay. You know, we already have money in the game. Um, which I think the licensing companies will give me back my royalties. But, um, you know, it's, it's tough because we, we can't really reschedule in our world. It's not like I can move my fall musical to the spring because the spring is our big show choir concert. And I would, I would like to see that still be there. So the middle scenario is we're back. Um, but with, safety protocols and a whole new way of doing things. We'd have to be smaller. There'd have to be masks or shields. We're cleaning, um, I, you know, doing in particular a musical um, this fall seems, some days it seems like, yeah, I think we could do it. We could figure it out. We could get creative because that's what we do. Um, and other days it's like, oh no, we're not going, no, it's going, it's, it's disappearing. Um, you know, lately as the numbers climb nationally um, and even in our own state a little bit, you start to get worried that, I don't know. And then they say we can have 50 people inside, 50? Uh, you know, like mounting a musical, I need, I need to recoup the cost and I can't recoup the cost if I don't have an audience. Um, and even a virtual audience, all of that is really, really, dicey for copyright issues. A lot of people aren't allowing that, and I don't disagree with them, you know, but um, they're losing money hand over fist as well. I mean, Broadway shuttered until January, so they're they're losing all of that. Um, so I, I, I talked to the kids about, you know, that middle scenario where we can rehearse, we could seat a partial house, but right now that's not not looking great at 50. I wish they'd say a percentage because 50 people in my 
700-seat auditorium and 50 people in my 250-seat auditorium look very different. Um, I can seat more in my 700-seat auditorium safely than I can in my smaller one. <laughs> um, so 50 seems like an odd number, especially 50 like in the field house, like they talked about indoor athletics. And I'm like, 50 people inside of our field house is nothing. <laughs> nothing. Um, so, so I don't know. Also things change daily. So I feel like, so we, the kids and I talked um, about what some of those protocols would mean. Um, having a true understudy program where you have two people covering some of those lead roles, but that secondary person may never do it. But also for the first time, I feel like there's like a 50% chance you will. Um, which is scary, you know, that you could walk in Friday night and the lead role has a fever, guess who's on, <laughs> you know, like, and that doesn't happen in educational theater as much, um, especially at the high school level. We don't have the depth and we don't have the ability to rehearse a double cast effectively. Um, but we've been talking about it and what are we going to do and how do we have the kids understand what that means um, and the work that's gonna have to go in on their part without, without us holding their hands as much as we'd like to and help them. Um, and then we also talked about is there merit and we can rehearse, but we never perform it. Um, you know, in theater, you know, I always tell the kids, sure, I strive to put on a show a great show that's ultimately yeah sure we want to do that but that's really not my goal my goal is to make them better citizens in the world to learn how to work as a team to learn how to work hard to achieve a goal well all those can be met without an audience um so and they were like oh i don't know yeah i'd want to still do it <laughs> so i'm like do you want to put in all that work that maybe we can record it and, and give it to mom and dad and grandma and grandpa where the audience is just a post, you know, production one shot archival <laughs> video of, you know, of it. And that's if I can get permission for that as well, which I probably can get permission for that. But um, it's tough. I, there's just so many unknown factors. And, and I, I don't want to make decisions now because I feel like I don't want to cancel right now because we might be able to pull it off. And I don't want to say we're going to do it because then what if we have to cancel in a month? Um, so I feel, I feel bad for the kids. It's like they're getting a really big lesson in coping with stress because um, it's stressful. So it's tough. It's, uh, it's, there's, no good, there's no good answer. And when you deal with high school and, and public education, um, we often get forgotten you know, so I pay very close attention to the sports world. What can athletics do? Because if athletics can do something, then I can do something. And I can use them as my stepping stone. Or if they can't, then I kind of know the answer. Um, you know, if they cancel football, we're done. <laughs> There's no way they're going to let me in inside. You know, I mean, football's outside. So, um, so we pay close attention to that because often we're just one event or they think of us as one event for the year and they don't really don't really think of us as affecting as many people as athletics does. And, and we don't, I suppose, if you look at all of athletics, but um, so we'll see my winter play. I'm just hanging on to uh, that. I could move. I pick something that could be adjusted and moved to May if necessary. Um, it's a little more flexible, but a musical is a beast and I don't want to spend 10 grand if I'm only going to make one. 
I think it's very admirable how much focus you're putting on the students because you recognize this is a significant portion of what they do in their lives. And once you don't do this fall show or this fall musical, that's it. It just doesn't happen. And that's the opportunity is gone. Do you feel like your connection with students has changed? Because traditionally, you know, you have the rehearsals, you have the classroom meetings, you have times you can meet with them. But now this, there's so much blurred connection and you're obviously putting so much effort toward them. You're trying to communicate with your student board. Do you feel like your connection with students has changed in any way? That communication or those lines of this is school, this is life? Um, a little bit. I mean, I definitely don't, it's weird not, right now it's not because we're at summer and summer I don't see them as much anyway, but it was weird in that end of the year where we are so busy and, and just I've, that constant connection with them, you're, you're always building that relationship and that rapport and working with kids I don't maybe normally work with, which is great. And then that builds a new relationship and a new connection. Um, and it, you worry about them because, you know, not just even theater kids, it, teenagers need that social interaction. It's part of what they're learning. It's key to what they're learning. Um, more so than an, an algebra function. It, it's key to what they are, how they will navigate their world. Um, they are learning something else that I guess is good, learning to cope and learning to adjust and learning to be flexible. Those are all really great things. Um, but it's worrisome that that they're going to lose something. You know, I look at even like my seniors next year, they lose something. They worked three years to, to build a, a program, to build themselves as a person and to be trustworthy and, and reputable as they, they come through the company for us. And, and I don't know, you know, it's, uh, you know, can we shift? And I mean, the only place I could move my, my musical is to the summer. <laughs> And I don't know if they'd be interested. By that point, you're graduated and you're moving on and you should. Um, I don't want them dwelling in the past. Move forward. Um, life's waiting for you. And, um, but at the same time, you know, it, it is a connection. It's an experience. It's unique. Each show is unique. Each element is unique. And they know what's on the line. They know what they could lose. Um, and... They articulate it a little bit. I think sometimes they just try to pretend like it's going to be okay, which I think we're all that way. Let's just pretend it's going to be fine, <laughs> and then we'll deal with it if it's not. Um, so I'm hoping for something. You know, we've got different plan. I might be able to do a couple straight plays as opposed to a musical. That might be a way to shift and keep a connection and keep keep the goals alive, just shifting the avenue at which we do it. There's a lot changing in the world right now and a lot specifically in the art and theater world. How do you think these changes will affect the coming years of arts education even after the pandemic is declared over? I think it could be good or bad. Um, I, see, I see districts cutting the arts, which is typical when it comes to budget cuts because on top of the pandemic, there's just huge budgetary issues, which my particular school district deals with anyway. We do know how to live cheap, so that helps us in our district. It's not, we're not a district that has ever overspent. But I, I think more than ever, I hope people realize that in the middle of this, when we were all quarantined and stuck at home, what did you do? You watched the arts. 
you listened to music, you read books, you watched plays, you watched movies and TV shows. It's all the arts. Without it, uh, people would have gone stir crazy. Um, if they didn't have their Netflix to binge, I'm not sure what would have happened to everyone. Um, and remembering like, who are those people? Those are your artists. And it's not just the actors. We're talking about scenic painters and lighting technicians and sound designers, you know, it, property masters. You're talking about a whole slew of people that are affected by this. Um, and I hope it's bringing it to light. Everybody's, you know, very excited about Hamilton coming to Disney Plus on Friday. Yes, like, what is that? That is all the arts. Um, and so I think a lot of times you see a flourishment of the arts after something difficult. You see it throughout history. You went from the dark ages to the Renaissance. You go, you know, out of the Great Depression and into the big band of the 1940s and kind of this resurgence of, of, of some of the arts. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's what happens because they're taking a big hit right now. And so they, they need a boom. And we'll hope, we'll hope that the public school system can survive it. Um, they're, we're floundering right now and we've been floundering for years. This just puts a deeper nail in the coffin. Um, so we need, we need that bailout. You know, if you're gonna bail out the banks, let's bail out the children. Um, so because we can't give them what they need with nothing. I'm just hopeful that districts see the arts as essential, as essential as any of the core classes because we teach all the course all together. You know, I teach English and history and math and science all inside of a theater class. That's what we do. I just don't, I don't teach algebra. That would be scary. I do teach some geometry in stagecraft and it's scary when I teach it, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm, I'm hopeful. I, I think if, if, if history is telling, it means good things eventually. It just will be, I think, painful waiting for it <laughs> and and dealing with that unknown so. absolutely and it seems like you understand how essential this is to all your students and you've talked about your job is to make them better citizens better people has this changed your perspective of what you do like have you looked at what you do differently since all this has happened i don't i don't think so i I don't like teaching online. I'll just make that bold statement. I don't like anything about it. I don't like the disconnect it creates. I think why I, why I like teaching, why I love theater is, is the connection it creates. I think I've just been thinking of ways to how do we keep that and still deal with whatever safety pro, you know, and keeping everyone safe. I mean, you don't want to jeopardize that. You know, it's like, I'm not going to do my musical just because I need to do it if it puts somebody in jeopardy, I'm not, you know, like if there's a public health or safety issue, then that's first. Um, but then what can you do? You know, what can we do as a group? What can I do as their teacher to, to adjust? You know, I mean, I think theater is problem solving. That's, that's what it is all the time is all we do is problem solve and fix things. And, um, so, okay, what's next then? If we lose that, then I, how do we move to the next step? How do we, how do we achieve our goals? Maybe our goals shift and that's okay. I'm hoping that, you know, I'm hoping I can keep my job. <laughs> It'd be really nice. And hopefully we come out better. You know, I told the kids, I said, maybe we're going to find something new in all this that we never knew could happen or could exist. And that's a really cool thing. And we're going to keep that even everything's fine. There's a vaccine. We're all living life again. 
but we kept this one, these couple things that we learned during all of this that made us stronger. So yeah, I'm just kind of doing what I normally do in the summer, which is just kind of relaxing, taking a step back and, and just kind of thinking, thinking ahead, but I feel like it's hard to make a decision when you don't have a lot of clear directive yet. So um, in addition to obviously being in charge of the after-school theater programs, you are also a teacher. How has that been affected? How are you planning your curriculum for the fall in case of teaching online? You said you hate doing that, but how will that happen if you need to? Um, I imagine, we haven't heard anything from our district yet, but I imagine we'll see three scenarios, one of which is kids are there five days a week, obviously socially distant, but that doesn't bother me. Dealing with safety protocols, but having all the kids in the room, it might change, you know, you're not going to do a group project. So it does alter some ways you do lessons, but that doesn't seem too crazy to me, but that's one class. So if I teach an intro to drama class five days a week in person with socially distant things, that's one piece. Then there's the hybrid where we're there two or three days a week, like a block schedule, um, which exists in public school. We don't have it in my district, but um, okay. So now it's partially in-person and partially distant uh, or at home or whatever it is. That's a totally different class from the first scenario. <laughs> Intro to drama in a hybrid is not the same as over. Same thing with I teach English 11. English 11 in person and English 11 in a hybrid are two very different classes. And then you have the fully digital online, we're stuck at home again, which is another class. Um, So I I feel like all of us are waiting as teachers, like, what is it? I think we see that middle one more readily or so that hybrid version. But I also think we all recognize that we may have to go home for a while in January so I feel like a lot of teachers see it as three different classes. And so do I have to prep? I teach, you know, I don't, but the, an average teacher would teach five classes and I have to think of three different ways, three different curriculums for each one. Yikes. You know, and you're going to throw that at me on August 15th and we start on August 31st. And it's not their fault necessarily. You know, it's looking at, well, the governor just came out with stuff okay, so now the district needs to take some time to really fine tune their plan as a whole. And I appreciate that that takes time. And it's not just high school, we're dealing, elementary is a whole different ball game. And, and so now it's, it's what, end of July? You know, middle to end of July. And so still we're looking at, all the teachers are like, August is going to be terrible. Terrible, because we're going to have to figure out how to adapt all three methods, all three ways of instruction, um, with the fully digital one kind of sitting in the corner. You know, like uh, we need to be ready, but we don't know when that's gonna happen. So it won't be the whole class for the semester, it'll be just parts of it. And you're like, is it just the end? Well, what, okay. It was one thing to do it this year where it was very sudden. Excuse me, podcast, I'm having home renovations done. <laughs> yeah, so I, to me it's, yeah, I teach, let's see, in first semester, I teach two or three different classes. So it's really six or nine, <laughs> you know, and it's really kind of 
daunting. And I think it's that difference between full-time in-person and part-time in-person. Um, it changes what we do. Um, I mean, I won't do big group projects and in intro in either scenario. So I already need to change that. I already know that, that I can anticipate, but, um, you know, sending 30 freshmen home and intro to drama with fully online. Okay. Yes. But those are totally different units then. And I have to adhere to a state program called career and tech ed, which means I have to meet those standards that we normally met in person. And now I have to figure out how we do those online. So I hope we can be back full-time in person safely, but it seems so, I think, I think it'll change mid-year. I think we'll see ourselves a little bit in trouble come like flu season, that December, January, February, those, that seems a little scary if we're still, if we're still battling this and people are still fighting the safety protocols and all that kind of stuff, we're going to, we're going to be in trouble and it's not going to be good. Well, I want to say thank you for all that you're doing, even though it's kind of unfairly thrust upon you, you seem to have a very large perspective, a good perspective over everything that's happening. And thank you for doing as much as you are to educate students and speak out on this podcast. We'd like to give you the opportunity to, you know, talk about anything that you would recommend for either students or teachers, anything that's worked well for you, any resources, or just any advice that you'd like to put out in the world. Um, I think in the, the high school theater teacher world, I, one of our best resources is the Educational Theater Association. Um, who are based out of Cincinnati, but the EBTA has already put out um, lots of material, lots of um, connections to helping um, theater teachers and even community theater organizations navigate and deal with, with what's coming. Um, again, they're trying to change with, the, with things as well, but they just put out a kind of a reopening booklet of information. They have lots of links to information. They just did a virtual national festival which i didn't i didn't get a chance to do but i hear it it went really well and as a state in michigan we're looking at trying to do that as well to still give kids that opportunity even if we can't come together in person um but yeah I, the eta is is great um michigan thespians connects into that as well through our website but the national office has done a great job the um usitt the Oh my gosh, United States Institute of Theatrical Technology. It's hard for me to remember what that means, stands for. Um, they cover everybody, professional, collegiate, and then some high school. Um, but even they've really got some great things out there as resources as well, as far as um, cleaning and safety and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, I, you know, people just need to reach out. They need to reach out to, um, even if they don't know an area theater teacher in their district area you know to reach out and say hey i got your email from the website what what are you guys doing what's happening um and and hopefully we have a season to promote and a season to to share with our communities you know that that's our hope and that that it it makes people laugh and makes them feel better <laughs> um and if we can't then you know what are we doing what's our goals and and um and how do we move forward in hopes that we can get back to some semblance of normalcy but yeah I'm, my biggest plug would be for for the educational theater association just because they've done a lot of the legwork that that's been helpful that i've looked at and thought okay yep yeah, that's good and and just starting discussions and and trying to be there to support support the theater educators because like i said sometimes we're we're one-man shows we're one lady shows in districts very often and 
we got to come together as a group. We got to help and support each other as best we can um, so we can all get through it. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Support for our show comes from Michigan State University's College of Arts and Letters. Special thanks to Megan Weeks for the interview. Links to the Educational Theater Association's website, as well as the United States Institute for Theater Technology's website, are available in the show notes.